0: Hi, good morning, and welcome to the Comics Experience Graphic Novel of the Month Club. Uh, this is our March 2023 meeting. I cannot believe it's 2023. What a strange idea that we're that far in the future. Um, and I want to thank you guys for uh, for spending your Sunday morning with us. Um, we've got a really interesting book uh, this month. Um, it's a really good book. It's, it's probably one of the more challenging books that we picked, and um, uh uh, up until this point uh and that was one of the things i really liked about it um the book is why don't you love me um and we're really happy to be joined by paul rainey who's right there hello hello paul how are you hello everyone
1: i'm all right thank you i've got a big scab on my nose which um, appeared in time for um today's broadcast (laughs)
0: yeah of course because you know why why would you uh why would you want to be on camera without without exactly yeah yeah Yeah, pretty good. um,
1: Don't stare at it. That's all I'm asking everyone not to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's all good. It's all good. Um, uh, So I asked the first question in every one of these interviews as the same question. And I, because I really like this question. And it's, it's why comics? Uh, Comics are an intensely difficult uh, thing to do. Um, very very labor intensive and there's really not a tremendous amount of rewards uh, for most people most of the time so why is that the medium that you like to work in
1: Uh, yeah uh, I don't know (laughs) Um, well I read comics I've always read comics I love comics certainly since the age of 7 and um, when you read comics I guess we all try and make our own and that's really what Happened. I, it's just something I've done. Um, uh, uh, why well, I, I guess my peers, a lot like, my peers are musicians and stuff. But I always thought comics was my USP. I guess, and um, uh, I didn't really feel that I could be just a writer or just an artist or just or anything else. It just seemed perfect for me and i always had this faith in the art form that it had more of a broader appeal than you know old people like me were led to believe when we were kids you know so yeah i think that's why i was always fascinated by um how they work and um, deconstructing them and you know and trying to recreate what I liked so much about them, I guess. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's my longer answer, but the short answer is I don't know. I feel they chose me rather than I chose comics. Well, that sometimes I wish I hadn't been chosen by comics.
0: But right, right. Yeah, yeah I I understand that. Um, what's uh, what's the first comics you remember reading?
1: Oh, um, so in the UK, um, Marvel did um, black and white reprints that were published weekly rather than monthly. And they would chop an American comic up into halves or thirds or quarters. And I was a big fan of Planet of the Apes. Uh, TV, live action TV show, I don't know if you remember that or if you're old enough yeah. to remember that. Sure. I th- so I thought it was great. So you'd be on Sunday nights on ITV and it was on at quarter past seven for an hour and as you know, um, Sunday is technically a school night. So my bedtime was eight o'clock and my parents were always very strict. So the reason I remember this is because they allowed me to stay up the extra quarter of an hour to watch the end of the programme.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they used to advertise comics on television. So one Saturday morning I saw an advert for County Apes and I went, I really must have that. But then I, it was about another three weeks or something before i saw a copy somewhere i didn't know how you process how you even go about getting a comic mm-hmm. uh, and, uh i think i must have been in the shop with my dad or something uh, and um yeah i bought a copy and i thought it was terrific It was the most exotic thing i'd ever experienced I think it's like planet of the apes number four and it featured uh the adaptation of the first movie or part of it which i think was drawn by george tusker yeah there was another strip in there, I can't remember, but then the backup strip was Kazar, with, um, it had Craven um, the Hunter in it, and it was drawn by Jack Kirby. Wow. And that was wow. just, uh, yeah, I I went, oh, I love this. And yeah. Marvel, as you know, even these days, they just did crossovers, but in those days, they made, made you feel that that's by all the other comics they published, simply by saying, oh, you like Count of the Apes and you're gonna love Spider-Man, it's even better. That's all they needed to do, and you just yeah. go out and uh, uh, consumer it sort of went from there really
0: yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm fascinated that they advertise the comics uh on british tv um yeah because well, that's well, not a thing like you know in the united states you're like literally not allowed to do that uh oh really yeah because because the idea is that um you're if you're advertising to children there's real limitations on what kinds of things that you are allowed to, to advertise. You can't advertise the same product uh, uh, on a television show that's aimed at children because it's not seen as fair. So you can advertise a different kind of a toy or a different kind of a story, but you can't go, oh, you like this? Now go go read it over here. Right
1: oh okay um well i'm sure there's rules over here but i don't know what those rules are but it it was like um so it was when i was a kid you'd see adverts for looking all the time on television um, which was a weekly comic published over here which was tv related so it had like a six million dollar man strip in it or um or day of the triffids or something in it Uh, but marvel comics didn't really advertise their comics and 2000 ad didn't but they would if the first issue came out so you'd see some promotion the week that the first issue came out so i'm mm-hmm. sure i definitely remember seeing an advert for 2000 ad when that issue one came out or problem yeah. which um i think you put if you were to hunt around youtube you could probably find um, right yeah but after that that stopped by the 80s i guess it became prohibitively expensive as comic sales diminished and and um, advertising rates went up. But, yeah, 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 it was it was quite common in the
0: seventies. So, so you bought your first uh, Planet of the Apes comics like from a newsstand or something. I'm assuming then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It, um, there was a great huge display of stuff. British you know, comics at that time. The American comics were very s- superhero focused, I guess. With sure. Kind of, even the horror comics were superhero comics in disguise. I, sure, sure, I suppose. Sure. Whereas in British comics, we had humor comics, adventure comics, um, war comics were really big in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and there was a a big girl comic market, you know, romance comics, kind of spooky comics directed specifically to girls, but they were all children's comics. I don't really remember any older comics. Heavy Metal was around, I think. And and, um, I think I remember seeing Near Myths, which I think is a British comic. That featured Brian Talbot's Luther Arkwright yeah. okay, very occasionally in a shop. Right. It was on too high a shelf and seemed too exotic. For me intimidating to me. So oh that's, that's funny.
0: Kind of, but, that's yeah. funny. And and so once you once you made the connection that you could get comics from the newsstand, like did, did that start becoming a, a regular habit?
1: Yeah definitely. I, I think there was a period of time where I stopped buying Planet of the Apes and then I think I went to a friend's birthday party or something and I think the mother was getting bored with us And for some reason she took us all to a shop and I begged her and I suddenly saw this cover of the Planet of the Apes which was the most exciting thing I'd seen since the first plant of the Apes I bought so I skipped a few weeks and I begged her to pay for it for me and she did I was going now oh, this woman's weaker than my actual mother <laughs>
0: <laughs> she
1: relented so easily and um, it was, a, it was nuts because I think what Marvel UK did, they ran out of Planet of the Apes content to reprint. So you may have heard this story. So what they did was they reprinted um, the Killraven, one of the world strips, and they stuck ape heads in all the Martians. <laughs> and then they would change the character names into sort of ape-like names from the, that we might recognize from the TV show. But they didn't do it consistently. So they would forget sometimes. <laughs> it was the most confusing thing to read. <laughs> but, you know, I it, didn't know it, that it last like part. It. I
0: knew I knew the first part of that story, but I didn't know that they they weren't consistent. And uh, well, sometimes brain the brain, apes but... became Martians. Yeah, I <laughs> oh, think they always
1: looked like apes, but the names were never consistent. You know? Oh, yeah. I
0: see. OK, all right. Yeah,
1: and I didn't notice that as a kid. I think maybe I just thought I was the problem, because, oh, it must right. be me. Adults wouldn't make mistakes. It's got to yeah. be the fault of me. But I actually reread them about four or five years ago.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely them. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And how old were you when, when this... Were you like like a little guy? Like seven or eight seven. or nine or something? Yeah. Oh, it's like seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. All and right. I
1: just turned seven. I've been seven for like a month or two. Okay. So um, it's probably the same it was probably the same in America, so the big TV season started September time, and, sure. and um, you know that's when all the new sh- TV shows seem to start. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think the comics started a month or two after the right. TV series began. The yeah, yeah, yeah. TV series was actually awful. The movies are great still, I think, but <laughs> I, I rewatched a
0: couple of episodes about 10 years ago. God, this is terrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there was a lot less choice on television then, so being able to see anything was was sometimes enough, you know, uh, yeah. even if it wasn't very good. Um, yeah, and of course, apes were just monsters, you know. That's
1: it. It's just a shorthand for monsters. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was that's it. I'm on
0: board. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, uh, and so it. I mean, Planet of the Apes, as you said, started. They started reprinting Killraven, Raven and pretending it was Planet of the Apes. But that couldn't have lasted very long because there's not that many issues of Kill Raven either. Um, no, but I think the American Planet of the Apes
1: thing was a monthly black and white comic, wasn't it? That had yeah. like 68 pages maybe. Had yeah, a good chunk of content maybe. So yeah, I, I think you know, they were just allowing that to build up for them yeah. to then... Yeah,
0: thought. I just, I still, I feel like there was only, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like there were less than a dozen of those issues uh you might be right
1: yeah i, I mean i'm not that familiar i've got those um idw one of those idw books they did right. um one time and reread a bu- bunch of doug mensch is it is that how you pronounce this
0: yeah, doug Mench, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. and uh they were brilliant so good ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are great stories um yeah i don't know why i brought that up but yes it get me create a sense that maybe those magazines had more content but i mean i don't know because i've never really seen those original magazines so yeah
0: yeah but,
1: um, uh... somehow well uh, yeah it doesn't make sense though you know there does seem to be a kind of um consistency but it was after about six months the weekly had been running for and they reprinted those war of the world stories and then they reverted back to unseen planet of the eight strips mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. presume they'd run out maybe it was some kind of Perverted way of just, just confusing a bunch of British kids, you know.
0: Well, you know, the assumption the assumption was in those times that that the audience turned over like no more than two years. You know, yes, the the, yeah. the assumption was that you read comics at seven, and by nine you're done. Um, yeah, I don't I mean, know that that was really true, but but that was that was what they thought at the comic book. Yes, yeah.
1: yes, and that, um, towards the end of the weeklies they did start to reprint those original George Tusker drawn right. adaptations. Right, right. Which was sort of only about two years. It was about two years after the weekly had begun. So, yeah, that fits with um, what you were saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then did you did you start reading 2000 AD and Bino and the war comics and things like that at that point? Or... Yeah. Um
1: so what happened was my parents were unhappy with the quality of my spelling so they told me i couldn't read american comics anymore which included um reprints of american comics mm. so i sort of hunted around for like substitutes and i never got on with the Beano. um it felt a bit too institutionalized to me um but i did buy action which predates 2000 ad which got into trouble um action isn't the same as the superman comic it's it was a um weekly comic that had this kind of visceral quality to it and they did a kind of thinly disguised versions of dirty harry or jaws right. these movies that were we were all too young to go and see and it was it predates video and dvd sure so we had these kind of quite violent substitutes and then it became like a tabloid newspaper scandal and that comic became sort of uh, uh muted and um, uninteresting, and ultimately um, got cancelled. But those guys went on to create Two Thousand AD. So I remember buying the first issues of Two Thousand AD. But I had a, I had a kind of weird. I knew I liked it, but my conscious mind wouldn't allow me to like it because I was such a Marvel fan by that mm. point, and this Two Thousand AD seemed so different. So I was buying it for a for my dad loved it. You go, why don't you buy that? 2000 ad because he always read my comics not as a not to vet what i was reading but because he actually liked reading them and uh he said why do you get that 2000 ad and i always felt that he ought to be buying it for me the fact that he paid me my pocket money you that right, that was just money i deserved as far as i sure, that was sure, insane, sure but he never did and eventually um it was a long period it's about five years one day i just read it i went this is really good why well, was i resisting to this so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: so prior to that five years i had about a thousand sorry a hundred issues of it that I, I, you know dipped in and out but i realized eventually i came to my senses and realized just how brilliant it was i mean i don't it's probably a different thing to you um brian isn't it 2000 ad i guess you you know sure. but it, I it a lot of people were reading it it was a well quite widely read. I think it sold like probably about 300,000 copies. Yeah. yeah. But now I've said that figure, I feel like I'm making it
0: up. Yeah, you know? no, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, at least at, at least for one point, it was a yeah. massive, massive, massive success. Yeah. Uh and you know, the fact the fact that it that it was able to continue like that weekly shows you that it must have been doing well because they wouldn't have done it weekly if if it wasn't selling well enough. Absolutely. You know,
1: absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um I think as comic enthusiasts, we'll talk fondly about, say, Marvel Silver Age and how creatively fertile that period sure. was, but I actually think it pales in comparison to 2000 AD's first 10 years, Yeah. The, the amount of characters and, you know, how strong the writing was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Stan Lee was good, but he wasn't a fantastic, sure. I don't think he was nearly as good as anyone as, like, John Wagner or... Sure. Or Alan Moore. Sure. Um sure. I had a greater sense of subversion than um, Stan.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I if I had to, if I had to guess, I would say that Marvel took off more because there was sort of issue to issue continuity that was mm-hmm. really clear, and the books, as you noted earlier, the books tied into each other. It's like you know, you'd read a Spider Man and you'd see Daredevil swing past the window and spidey would go oh look it's daredevil you know uh you know you didn't you didn't really see that happening in 2000 ad because most of those stories were for the most part pretty self-contained absolutely yeah Um, i think
1: pat mills wanted them to he liked the idea of them all coexisting, but they didn't really pursue it so judge dread has met strontium dog and road trooper but they're not that tied to continuity to allow it to stop mega city one getting nuked, for example, even yeah. do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, very much so. Um, very much so. Yeah. And especially because you were buying them off the newsstand, I think it made it it made it considerably less likely that a kid would be able to follow a story from issue to issue to issue just because newsstands are, are really famous for, you know, skipping issues, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. so in That's 2000 AD, you had
1: periods of times where it was unavailable due to industrial action, and you no, right. you'd have no idea. Right. How is
0: that? Yeah, caused some sort of a um, panic in, yeah, in yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And and so and so, uh, when did you start drawing comics on your own? Um, well, I did as a kid. So my
1: dad would uh, bring back this computer paper from work that was all oh. perforated. And so you got a sense of it being like a comic because they were, you could create turned sure. pages. Sure. But it was a lot of work. So I think I was like any kid, I ended up just doing that on every page. Uh-huh. Um, uh, um, When I was about 14, a friend of mine and I, Robert Patrick, did a comic together called Clone, um, which uh, was fun. And um, the guy who was in charge of the photocopier at school ran off 10 copies each for us. I don't know if he was allowed to, but he did. And then, um, yeah, I've um, been involved in fanzines and um, self-publishing since really. Um, So I I did uh, strips for a local arts fanzine called The Spot for a while, which were kind of Biz comic inspired. I don't know if you're familiar with this comic, but sure. um, then I guess in the '90s, when I ran out of money to go out drinking every night because I was, you know, a young man, I stayed in and started focusing on doing longer form stuff and self-publishing that. So yeah, definitely. You know, I was dabbling as a kid. I think as all kids do, and then I started being a lot more intense with it when
0: I was in my early 20s, I think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you go to school at all to uh, to study art, or was this all self-taught?
1: Self-taught. Um, I did go to a couple of um, – so my art teacher, when I was in the sixth form, which is when you're 16 and 17 over here, um, you can leave school or stay for another couple of years. So I did um, – Um, art he said uh, I think you should go and do a go to Neen art college which is in Northampton I live in Milton Keynes and Milton Keynes Northampton's the next town along pretty much so uh, I went along and they said um, what do you want to do when you uh, leave art college I said I'd like to be a comic artist and they kind of went "Mm -hmm." (laughs) like this (laughs) and I never got in but um there's more to that story, what actually happened was I hadn't put together a portfolio, so I panicked, so a couple of nights, for about two days before, I borrowed my sister's smash hits magazines, which were like pop music magazines, and just drew loads of pencil drawings of a guy called Howard Jones, who was in the charts at the time, I went in with those, and they said, oh, you've been drawing for photographs, Paul, we can tell, all right, okay, then this isn't really what we're looking for, but we'll give you a second chance come back in six weeks build up a portfolio and we'll review you again and um, of course I did nothing in those six weeks and then panic drew I think more pictures of Howard Jones <laughs> it might have been other pop stars and then went in and I kind of went like this and then they asked me what I wanted to do when I left art college and I broke the news to them and I remember filing out, looking really dejected, past all the other people waiting to be, go in for their interviews. <laughs> I must, they must have been terrified by seeing my um, miserable face. But yeah, but no, I didn't. I never went to art college. But um, yeah, maybe I should have done. Maybe I should no. have tried harder.
0: No, I mean, like from a style point of view, you you definitely. I I think your your style is is just great. I I don't. Uh... Thank you yeah i don't i don't see i was i was just asking because i'm always curious about like you know where these things go you so you said you were doing like festivals uh and stuff and self-publishing comics um this started in your 20s yeah yeah yeah
1: so um i did a comic um in the 90s called memory man and i got a diamond distribution deal oh okay um which, um, when I got the news, I was so excited. I thought, this is it, I can give my job up. I only need to sell 4,000 copies, which to me, (laughs) I thought that's gonna be easy, right? And then the orders came in, in, I think it was 190, (laughs) the first issue. Right. I was this close to giving my job up as well. And actually, you have to get 500 done at least to make the unit cost. Well, it's not like today where printing's a lot more affordable. Sure. So, and then of course, as you know, orders for issue two are, less it's a it's an, a you know depressing thing but so i was going along to events with my comic memory man and trying to sell those there weren't really that many in britain at that time there was about there was uk uk comic art convention um and then i think there was something called there was caption which was a sort of small press event every year in oxford and i think there may have been something in. Glasgow, but that was a little too far away for me to afford to go to. So yeah, I was uh, only really doing one event at, the, um, at that time, and then um, Diamond eventually said, "We don't want to carry your stuff anymore; it's not selling." Well, right. <laughs> I was surprised I got away with it for as long as I did.
0: So, what about yeah. um uh, was was Diamond UK in existence at that point? Or yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So originally, I
1: approached diamond uk and I said oh we're more than happy to carry this but why don't you try proper diamond I probably didn't refer to them as diamond a proper diamond but i went are you sure so they gave it a go and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they went for it uh, mm-hmm. that's quite yeah mm-hmm. um, yes but i yeah i realized that i couldn't really afford to do it through diamond and i had to reappraise everything i was doing i sort of rediscovered drawing comics for fun in the early 2000s really yeah and the internet was uh, you know there now so i could post stuff online and and uh I, I, I satisfy myself with photocopying comics you know not having to use a pro- proper printer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um being a bit more ha- hands-on homemade you know like um super gluing color mm-hmm. logos onto a black and white comic and you know messing around like that and that was a lot more satisfying and pleasing um than having to face the painful orders from diamond that somehow are even less than the poor orders that you received three months before right and i took it very seriously because i was reading cerebus at that time and dave sim was telling everyone to self-publish and yeah and um I think mean, one of the Dave Sims things was you have to be reliable and regular. So I was trying to be that, and uh, yeah, and I lost the ability to enjoy it.
0: Hmm. I'm quite
1: happy the comics are made,
0: but mm-hmm. yeah. The, like the the, the the work of it became bigger than the the joy of it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I mean, the work of it becomes depressing if your orders
0: are shit. And <laughs> they get even crappier. Sure, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Dave. I think at that point uh, was probably selling, probably selling fifty thousand copies at that point. Uh, yeah. You know, and when you're doing a black and white comic and you're selling fifty thousand copies, uh, uh, you're you're making pretty okay money. Uh, doing he was that doing very well, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I've read something
1: recently about him, um, kind of having some financial involvement in big numbers or something he, he donated money towards that might be mm. might be big numbers it was something i was surprised that he was being more than just supportive towards more than just staying self-published
0: yeah i don't i don't i don't know about that because big numbers was published by uh, tundra which was kevin eastman's um of teenage mutant the turtles uh, thing oh, right, and and Eastman poured poured a lot of money into that company. Um, yeah, that might be. why I
1: might be getting confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. All yeah. the turtles' money essentially went to um the to Tundra, and and his in his ideas were really his idea was really sensible. That if you give artists money to make a comic that they want to make, as opposed to oh, you've got to draw Batman, right? That Theoretically, people are going to make great comics, and a lot of really great comics came out from Tundra. But what he hadn't realized was that if you give people giant stacks of money uh, to do comics, that in a lot of cases they just kind of fuck off um, yeah. and and you know don't actually produce the work, uh, you know because nobody's standing over them going, "No, you have to get this to me by Friday, or else our company will fire you." Um, And that wasn't what was happening with with Tundra. Um, And so, yeah, there was an awful lot of comics that uh, that that were being made then that just never got made. Um, It was a rare it was a rare person like a Dave McKean because cages came out really, really regularly at that point. But most of the other guys who were given those kinds of money were just like, sure, I'm going to take this and disappear for a year you know um yeah. kind of funny yes, actually.
1: yeah it, yeah it, yeah yeah it's a shame isn't it
0: because cages was terrific wasn't it yeah
1: and uh, still King still still
0: like is terrific actually i think yeah. that, that book holds up so well right now i uh yeah yeah it's so mature because i think he was still in his 20s when he did it as well and it's such
1: yeah. a um uh Uh, sort of grown quality to it you know like someone who's lived a bit quality to it yeah yeah
0: Yeah, i forgot that was tundra because it ended
1: up being kitchen sink didn't it like ultimately yeah stuff yeah because
0: kitchen kitchen ended up taking all the tundra stuff when tundra collapsed uh so who would up all all these
1: um drunk hungover artists to get them to finish their work (laughs) exactly 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 yeah because they had a British office, apparently
0: yeah. Tundra yeah yeah,
1: yeah. And all the British guys um, had a too good a time with all that money
0: right yeah, well, I, again, I mean I would I would uh, I would liken Tundra in some ways to say Apple Corps. right? You know the Beatles had all this money and they thought, oh well we can we can do this thing which will let other people make art and then most of the people fucked off and took all their money. And they're like well why did that happen you know yeah kind of kind of funny
1: yeah people let you down (laughs) let that be a lesson to everyone watching. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah. unfortunately uh, unfortunately sometimes the the lash of the deadline and you know is is what makes people make the art uh to actually produce it you know so yeah
1: i'm more of a slogger. i will kind of just
0: do it regularly but
1: I, yeah. I've worked with a couple of friends who I know that if I phone them up towards the deadline that we've got, they go, "Oh, they'll suddenly produce all the pages in a week." You know what yeah. I mean? Don't get yeah. it in time, but I, I I couldn't work like that. I would yeah. never sleep.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's jump forward a bit to why don't you love me? And um, can you talk to us about about sort of where the book came from and some of that, that stuff? Yeah, um, are we are we assuming everyone's read it or are we taking the- let's, let's, let's assume that everyone's read it, but maybe let's not give away the twist maybe? Sure, sure. So um, well, I t- I, uh, what
1: happened was uh, I had a job, I worked for a bank called Abbey National in one of their head offices and I've been working for that, them for years and they got bought out by Santander, a Spanish bank, And um, so I was sitting there at my desk one day and my boss's boss, who I'd never spoken to before, came up to me and said, Paul, come with me. And he took me to this glass room inside the open plan office. And on the wall was this giant monitor that was monitoring all the processes of this new system they'd released without testing properly. And uh, I was put in a room with three men I didn't know and told to look at the monitor and then if any of the processes went too high or too low, I had to phone up the relevant teams and let them know. Now I'm pretty certain I could have um, could have automated that process. So I spent a lot of time just my, with my eyes glazed over daydreaming, and I've been reading a lot of um, Peanuts comics. You know those photographic uh, books that where they reprinted Peanuts in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So I, said, I want to do something like Peanuts, I thought, and um, I th- my idea was to invert Peanuts. So it's about Charlie Brown's parents going through a difficult divorce. And you only see the adults, you don't see the kids. And um, I'll do it every day, and I'll do a Sunday strip. And I realized that I couldn't do it every day because I had uh, had to look at this monitor on the board and earn money. So um, I thought, well, I'll just do do the Sunday strip, so I'll probably have time to do that. And then I realized after several weeks of intense thinking about it, that I couldn't really do the story I wanted to because it was um my friend's experience of going through a, a difficult divorce and therefore completely inappropriate
0: right
1: so i put that aside and then there's another element in the book that um uh i i describe as a common idea um so a common idea like the truman show i feel is a common idea that idea that your life is secretly being filmed for the entertainment of others
0: mm-hmm.
1: there has been stuff on that subject before the Truman Show, you know, dramas, there's been dramas since, you know, it's fair game in my view. It's not the, that idea necessarily, it's what you do with it that makes it interesting. So I always wanted to do the, not that idea, but a what I consider a common idea, which I won't say in case people haven't read the book.
0: Yep.
1: And um, so about 2015, I had these two ideas and as is often the case I suddenly thought wow these work really well together that it satisfied my desire to do a um a family sitcom you know Sunday newspaper strip format but I was also um, it, it also suited me because I've been drawing I'd had a couple of things appear in David Lloyd's Aces Weekly. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a
0: digital only comic. Yep,
1: that's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So subscription only and the the technical requirements are they like the strips to be landscape because it's it it was formed slightly before tablet computers became commonplace. And I went, oh, well, my idea fits aces weekly. So that was a big motivator to do it. It meant that I wasn't going around to conventions and losing money. I was actually going to be getting some money, not very much, £100 maybe for 21 pages, but that was better than what I'd been doing for the last, previous 20 years, Mm -hmm. where I was just, you know, shedding money. So yeah, so that's the sort of gestation of, of it, but it allowed me to sort of express, well, I guess everything I do is about trying to pin down something I want to express but can't in simple normal human sentences, if you know what I mean. That's the purpose of any creative endeavour for me, is to kind of express something that otherwise I wouldn't be able to. And yeah, that's why don't you love me. I describe it as a, my uh, spoiler-free description is, it's a family sitcom sort of a just a, a, a sitcom about a dysfunctional family who at the end of the day still don't love each other
0: yeah
1: but which is a an accurate description but
0: completely insufficient you know but a- absolutely it, absolutely it's a good so, so, so this this did run in aces weekly then is is that what i'm yeah it, it ran um yeah it ran in
1: aces weekly originally
0: yeah the 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 whole the the whole story or just a chunk of yeah. it yeah
1: so they would run three pages a week and a volume of aces weekly runs for seven issues so they would do 21 pages mm-hmm. in the volume and then um, i'd skip a volume or two whilst i did the next few pages and then they'd run them again so it appeared in 10 separate volumes of aces weekly that's interesting interesting i didn't i did, I did not know that part yeah i did not know that yeah, part. well i think I, su- I wonder if aces weekly is a bit like a gym membership like people pay to subscribe but I wonder how many people actually of those subscribers read it because the feedback was quite quiet and um, you know low and then I serialized it on my social media a page every Sunday as God intended and um, uh, over time, people started to respond to it. I started to get, you could see it getting traction, more likes and people responding and people actually getting involved in the characters and what they were doing, and going, oh God, no, she's gonna have an affair, you know, that sort of thing, or is she? You know, so that was nice to see after, you know, so Aces Weekly provided a little bit of cash and then the social media provided um, the feedback
0: so. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, if you were doing a, if you were doing one page every week on Sunday, you would have been doing this for what six years then? Like as a se- four, as, as four a serial social media. Okay, I think it's four years, two hundred and ten pages. I think so. Just oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought it was three, three something. Yeah, two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well wow. That's, I, did, a, that's... I, I didn't
1: know how to automate um, social media posts, so I'd have to get up every Sunday morning, which um, I was usually hung over, and then I'd do all the posts, and then go back to sleep. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So here's the thing that I'm curious about because, uh, you know, there's a twist that comes a little past halfway in the book. You, you know, it's 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 well into a hundred pages before you actually find out what's going on in the story. Um, was that was that twist there from the beginning? Or or did you come up with that twist sort of in your third season, let's say, at Aces Weekly, if that question makes sense?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, actually, because I did – the twist you're referring to was going to happen in one sense, but um, how it happened, I hadn't quite come up with. Mm. And um, I, I don't want to ruin the book for people to – because a lot of it – is there from the beginning but the way it happens i hadn't really thought about um until about uh, i've been 50 pages in <laughs> it's a good idea if it happens this way you know sure um because i've been uh i'm, I'm gonna spoil it a bit so um, if you haven't read it you might want to press mute for a while um so i started having anxiety dreams about nuclear war again which I hadn't had since I was a teenager. I just wake up in the night, you know, having had a dream about opening the curtains and seeing a nuclear bomb going off in the distance. I haven't done this since for like 30 years. And um, I guess the world political climate uh, was um, affecting me in some way. And I thought, well, actually that, you know, we've always, my view is we have nuclear weapons. It's inevitable it's gonna happen. You know, right. it can only happen if you have nuclear weapons. So I thought, well, that, there's an old, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, Brian, I do apologize. But no, there's an fine. old 2000 D strip called Meltdown Man. And um, it's a story in which this character ends up on another world but it has these human animal creatures. I forgot what the word is when you um, have human versions of animals. But the pretext under which he ends up there is he's, he gets caught in the heart of a nuclear explosion. That's just page one. Right. There's this nuclear bomb going off with this kind of silhouette of a figure. And the strip's called Meltdown Man. It doesn't seem to refer to that ever again from page two onwards, it's in this new world. But I thought, well, I kind of thought that would be a good way of of um, uh explaining the experience that these characters are going through and it Mm -hmm. fortunately i didn't have to retrospect anything at all to accommodate this new idea but working on it because it's a long project i had day jobs whilst working on it you don't want to work too much out so i knew where i wanted to do things i knew where major things were happening, I knew I wanted, I would have to maneuver the characters from being agoraphobic to outside of the house, ultimately. And I knew, and I kind of broke it up, at least in my mind as to when I would do this, although I didn't know how I would do it. Um, but if you're doing a long project, you want to get the right things worked out, but allow yourself lots of spon- space of spontaneity, so that you don't get bored with it. Otherwise, if you get bored of it, you're not going to finish it. And that's try sure. it of, of yourself, isn't it? So yeah,
0: my answer, that's my answer to your question. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I just I, I thought it was an interesting choice to make that happen a hundred pages in because it it you know it, it it runs the risk of chasing away the audience if if you wait that long, you know. Uh before you get to the thing that you're actually trying to say. Um, that's why in the introduction uh, to this, I said, it's a challenging book. It is It is a challenging In fact, I'll even say, I'll even say, uh, I, I get a, I, I ask publishers to send me, you know, the manuscripts or the, or finished products, whatever. Um, and I got, I got this from Drawn and Quarterly and I got maybe 30, maybe 40 pages in, and I'm like, where is this going? what, <laughs> what, what is this? It I it, is it it and, and there's a and the, the, there's this quote on well so so I and I'm like okay I um I'm not I don't know that I like this and I put it down and I put it down face down, uh yeah. which means I then I saw the back cover with the back cover has the Neil Gaiman yeah. quote and I went oh well let me see what Neil had to say, and it was like. I it read like any slightly vapid early 20s story, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> and I'm like, well, wow, that's exactly what I thought. Like, I I, 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 he's saying why I don't like it. Oh, but then it came into focus, and it wasn't that thing. And when I saw that Neil wrote that, I'm like, okay, I've got to pick this up, and I've got to keep reading it because if yeah. if Neil is telling me that there's something more than what I think that there is here, um. Then I, then I have to get to it. and and I and I got to it. and then I went, holy shit, this is a great book. Um, uh, and so even myself, who really wants to read comics, is really interested in comics, I almost bounced off it. If it hadn't had this quote from Neil Gaiman, I would have bounced off it. and and so <laughs> that's that's, that's that's kind of interesting to me that I mean, I have to assume that if you said, if you said in Aces Weekly you're doing thirty pages, let's say, uh, in a in a season, you didn't actually get to this until like the fourth season. Um, yeah. Oh, fifth. I think it was the sixth. <laughs> there you are. At the end of the and, fifth. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I I guess then my next question became. Were you like, did you have an editor at Aces Weekly? What I mean, did is David editing it at all or? Well, or no. is he just um, if you if you're producing work we're going to accept it
1: yeah, well i guess they have to like it um so um uh, simon russell's also involved um, okay so um yeah I, I and simon has been a supporter of my work before pre aces weekly so i think he helped sell it maybe to david lloyd yeah. i think that david lloyd I, am i the, the rule is, I don't think he really likes swearing in any of the strips that appear. I like swearing and I thought, um, but I, because in the first half of the book, it's, it seems to be about, um, seems to be a nihilistic cartoonist view of parenthood.
0: Yeah.
1: That if it doesn't, temptation if it has, If I'm allowed to do swearing, is to do loads of jokes about parents inappropriately swearing in front of their kids.
0: Sure.
1: And by deciding not to do that, it made me force me to be more creative when it came to the cruelties that exerted upon each other, I guess. Yeah. Um, And, um, so, it's interesting about the Neil Gaiman quote is that I did a, um, I, it, I fell off my chair when Jordan Courtney sent it to me because Neil Gaiman doesn't know who, the, you know, who I am. Um, i have been following his works in Spiral Cases. And, um, and I loved it because it, it does sum it up. But I did a um, launch in my um, hometown of Milton Keyes, um about three weeks ago and I, I put the quote up on the screen, but I edited out everything after um, you know, the opening line. I'm gonna put light on so I can read it. So I just read, when I began to read Why Don't You Love Me, I thought it read like any number of slightly surrealistic, slightly um, vapid early 2000 stories that were basically the cartoonist way of telling you that they hated everyone and everything. And then I just read that, <laughs> and the audience was aghast. And then, of course, I uh, so I enjoy reading that first line out to people, and they go, "Them going, <laughs> that's not
0: good, Paul." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you? I guess what I'm I was trying to ask though was, did you did you tell them at Aces Weekly what the whole story was, or no, were they no. seeing it as you produced it? And so, at any point, yeah. did they go? at any point did any of anyone at aces weekly go where are you going with this man no no one. wow okay that's the only time david
1: looked sorry david lloyd contacted me when there were a bunch of white panels and Uh asked if that was supposed to be um if that was correct that was it that's the only time i got asked about it
0: okay yeah interesting interesting yeah. I oh, yeah, liked it they, 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 I'd take uh, I'd get
1: feedback from them occasionally saying oh this is good you know yeah so but I think it's it was quite different to everything else that they were publishing totally sure. I think so um yeah but yeah I really appreciated it being in there it was it was um nice to see some money even though it wasn't a living you sure. know as I say so you get these statements every every volume. You go, woohoo! 120
0: pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's great. I uh, my my only contact that I've ever had with David Lloyd in my life was ooh, I wanna say it was ninety-three or ninety-four. I might be a couple of years off on that. Uh, he called me up out of the blue. A transatlantic phone call, which then transatlantic phone calls were very expensive, as I'm sure yeah. you might remember. Um, uh, and I'm like, why is David Lloyd calling me? And he's like, you know, I'm David Lloyd and I did V for Vendetta and DC did a really crappy job of printing it. So I'm trying to call influential comic book retailers to tell them to have them call DC to have them reprint it better. And I've never never had that phone call from a creator ever in my life prior to that or after that. Um, And I thought that was just a very fascinating thing to do. Like, I didn't like what the publisher did. How do I get them to fix it?
1: Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's like um, those bands who would um, uh, um, have an old album re-released by an old record company and tell everyone not to buy it because... (laughs) they don't like it anymore. or or, Kind of like that, yeah, yeah. It it feels like that. It feels like he might have been better off just releasing a statement to, I mean, Comics International was probably around then or something
0: like that, or one of those. yeah. I mean, I will say for sure, I absolutely got on the phone with DC, like, the next day. It was like, I just got this phone call from David Lloyd. What do you think about this? And they went, oh, maybe there's something to, you know, I don't even remember, like, the chain of things that happened after that, but it uh, eventually he got the edition he wanted was my understanding so did you did it did you look at a copy to see what you saw yeah i think i mean i think he just he didn't like the way that um it it was printed too late i think for him i I can't quite remember because it was you know again that was 30 years ago i don't remember the details of the of, of the of the thing anymore but uh it was fascinating to me that he just he didn't like the way that it had printed. Um, I, I suppose he, this was the this was probably the serialization of it. So the book yeah. hadn't come out yet. Um, so I think oh. maybe he was trying to fix it for the book. I think was what his goal was there.
1: Ah. He's, yeah. a, he's such a great artist. I love his stuff, yeah. and uh, it's, it feels a shame that I um, don't see enough of it, and I don't really know why that is um he's, he's brilliant yeah yeah, uh, yeah i think the last i think he did something phrases weekly one of the early volumes when it first started maybe and then i think the last thing i remember was probably he did like um warren ellis did global frequency or something and there's a yeah. different artist each issue I think yeah, yeah. maybe he drew one of those sounds that's about right time.
0: yeah yep.
1: that's like 20 years ago or
0: something something like that yeah it's been a while yeah feels a shame doesn't it yeah yeah well you know and the thing that is actually kind of genuinely surprised me was that there were not more physical books that came out of ace's weekly digital experiment cuz yeah. to me like you you he's you're it's very it's got to be very very difficult selling that digital comic in yeah. enough quantity that you're you're making any real amount of money. As you say, it's probably a gym membership for a lot of people. Yeah. And and they're not actually engaged, they're doing it because they think they should, rather than like, you know, I'm really I really like this work. And so why would you not want to get the material out in a wider audience at that point? Yeah. I, 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 think I, I some I, of
1: it has been printed. So there was a strip, I think, called Santa versus. Nazis or something like that, which okay. I think got published. I think uh, a British artist called Rachel Smith had a strip in there that then later got collected. Okay. And I know that David Hine and Shaky Kane did one. I think
0: it's, I can't remember what it's called,
1: but it had cowboys and giant insects in it. And I think yeah. that got uh, that came
0: out from Image. I want to say that one.
1: Yeah, that feels like an Image book. I know I've got yeah. it somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. some of them do
0: materialize right well you know i mean i i'm obviously i own a comic book store here's here's a rack full of comics really? behind me you know <laughs> and so i i really believe in having that physical book at the end of the day so um how did how did drawn and quarterly get involved did they see it on your socials then and then approach you or did you try to no. sell it to them
1: um, I, yeah i try to sell it to them but i i'm not very good at approaching publishers i don't really know how to do it and i still don't to be quite honest and um, yeah. very early on I did 15 I sent the first maybe 20 odd pages to a British publisher and they like you were. they found it upsetting <laughs> I understand why they were yeah. some people find it hysterical but um, they had the opposite approach then um, I don't know if you know I won the in 2020 I was sending it out um, in 2020 I won the observer newspaper Jonathan Cape graphic short story prize I don't know if you've heard of that but um I uh I sent it to a publisher around that time because I now had a contact and they rejected it because they said they didn't want to do newspaper strip collections mm. I, mm. Said, I don't think you've actually read it <laughs> right this right. means you look you flick through it I think so I wasn't really having much luck um and then I finished it And one day, i will be a child to myself if I don't try a bit harder. So I went through, I looked at all these, I've got my books off the shelf. Oh, that's published by whoever, I'll try them. And a lot of people didn't respond. And I went, I'll try Drawn and Quarterly. But I assume, because I've admired Drawn and Quarterly from the beginning. I've got all those, I've got many of the first Drawn and Quarterly magazines from about 30 Mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I just assumed that they wouldn't be interested, but just give it a go. And I got an email back the next day saying that that they really liked it, that I was a good cartoonist, which was lovely to hear. Mm -hmm. And it took them, because the pandemic happened then, everything slowed down. So it took them about six months to actually offer to print it. And I think their offer sat in my junk folder for about two weeks. Wow. So uh, yeah, but um, yeah, the whole experience of journal on courtly has just been a joy it's just been brilliant This um ev- everything from how they sorted out the artwork to the production of the book I, it, they seem to read my mind as to how i wanted the book to be
0: you know? mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and marketing getting a new
0: game and quote i've got no complaints yeah, yeah 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 no no they're they're a great company absolutely yeah. i uh uh so this because the structure is you know largely like a sunday strip is was there a point was there a point when you were doing it that that you grew at all bored of of the of the lockedness of the format
1: uh, well, I got sick of doing the logo over and over again. Yeah. I would happily never do that. Ever. Yeah. Right, Right. don't you love me ever again. Um, the problem with it is it's quite emotionally intense. Um, mm. Although it's not biographical, it's personal. I've injected a lot of real emotion into it, or mm-hmm. tried to. Mm-hmm. So it meant that I would have I'd take little breaks and go off and draw a comedy strip for this comic. Or... Mm-hmm something like that, or doing like a, a, another short project for a while, so, usually between ACES weekly volumes. But, um, you know, just a sort of palette cleanser, I guess. Or a, so, yeah, that, that's... The, the problem was the emotional intensity, not the repetition necessary,
0: necessarily. Yeah. I also meant it in terms of um, just the, the physical lock of the page, right? That every panel... Uh, every page. I mean, I didn't. I didn't actually go and count on every single page, but pretty much every page has exactly eleven panels, and yeah. they're Something and they're formatted in exactly the same way. Yeah.
1: yeah. Pretty
0: And, much. and I, I just wonder. Like
1: if, <laughs> if... <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm good. Okay. I'm good with that. I like. Um. It's just one less thing to think about, in my view. Mm. I can then just focus on drawing. You know, I don't really. I feel that I need to remind myself to think about the page as a whole. I think of the page as a whole when it comes to writing, but I don't necessarily think of it as a whole when it comes to design always, and I have to um, f- force myself. I think of comics as a reading experience, uh, and um, I have to be more mindful to make it also a aesthetic, I guess, experience and more sure. of a... Uh,
0: Sure. I, I mean, you I know, you. broadly I think that when when one is doing long form comics in other words where you're where you're giving the reader four or five pages at a time, let's say, you it, you want to think a lot about page turn. You want to think about what information is on this page that gets you to the next page that keeps the the reader reading. But in a Sunday kind of format, you don't really have to think about that at all because you're you're looking at a single unit for each one. And so it can stay static from that point of view.
1: Yeah. I think I'm gonna have to do the page turn as a consideration for anything I do in the future because it's not something I've ever really, really thought about. And I think that's partly because I've and um, it might be rooted in a cult um, British comics culture which are you know you know, 2000 AD, you'd get like a four-page strip, or a five-page strip, or a six-page strip, and so there, for maybe the page turn isn't quite so important. You're working on making it work. Over four pages as a whole. I don't know. I don't
0: know. Sure, but let's. I mean, let's go. Let's. So let's 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 go back to the example of V for Vendetta. Now that wasn't in 2000 AD, but it was a serialized comic that was told again in four or six page segments. If you when you read V for Vendetta, it's really clearly structured. Like you can tell that Alan Moore at least thought about what happens on each page and and where you are in space on each page right and what it's going to take you to turn that page um so i think that that even in that in fact in fact i would actually argue i think that short story the short story format like a 2000 ad requires more thought and more choices from a creator because your palette is so limited you know um uh whereas you know in a 22 page american comic you can totally fuck off for 10 of those pages and and you know and as long as because it all works out in the end right but if you've only got four pages you've really got to be focused on picking the right images and moving the story along in the right way in that kind of kind of fashion yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you have to be um,
1: every kind of sentence and word and image has to count, mm-hmm. which I think I tried to do with Why Don't You Love Me. I didn't feel I, that was one of the things I really enjoyed about the process of making it by thinking of it as each page had to work on its own terms, at least for me, uh, although the, all those pages then interlock together into that overall narrative so I guess that's me thinking in terms of a page turner because yeah. even though it doesn't each page doesn't end on a joke or a yeah. punchline to a joke yeah. it's kind of structured like a joke it's just that mm-hmm. the punchline might often be depressing and that right. might then compel you to turn the page to see what happens next so uh, maybe in that sense I was yeah. thinking that way yeah uh, I've, I've, my, the other stuff I do for this comic it's usually a single page so it's not something i have to think about it's the punchline, i guess in the last panel or the right. revelation in the last panel that so but i'm not having to think of it having to follow up with another page like that if that makes sense no that makes
0: because it that makes all the, the it makes all the sense in the so, world makes um, all the sense in the
1: world yeah so but yes uh i really i i am yeah the thing i'm doing after why don't you Love me which i've been working on now i'm thinking in tiers and pages and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. i guess um i'm not overly thinking about what is it i need to get the reader to do to turn the page sure I'm thinking um about being understood
0: and and, and and just and just because I'm throwing out these concepts doesn't mean that I'm like, hey, you're supposed to do it this way. Because that's, no, 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 that's the thing yeah. I love the most about comics is you can do it any way you want to and it all works out fine. Yeah, there's no, there, there shouldn't be any rules. When,
1: um, we were, I was getting excited, and it might be the same with you. In the 80s, one of the things that was said about comics is that it's kind of a... For it's, there really aren't any rules to it, and you can... Um, create your own rules and just because it's now 40 years later I still think that's true it's it's our art form to do what we wish with it and um, we and although it's good to kind of consider these disciplines and apply those to your work you can learn from other people's experiences you can also choose to ignore them
0: yeah yeah, and and you can totally add new parts to the language even today, which I I think is much harder in prose or in film or you know, television. I think it's much harder to add to the language whereas in comics it's pretty easy to add to the language actually, you yeah, know. It's happening all um, the time, isn't it? It's happening all the time. People come up with new onomatopoeia every fucking day. Yes. And it's and that that's fascinating to me that that it's constantly moving and constantly changing and how the passage of time works in comics is always being reevaluated by every creator it's it's fantastic to me um let me it's ask exciting art form despite um the kind
1: of problems of in, the industry or industries yeah. you know it's yeah. still exciting
0: yeah no no I, I absolutely agree um let me ask you a little bit about maybe your physical process um do you do you write a script first? before you start drawing? Do you, like, how, how do you how do you approach an individual page uh, when you were doing this? So
1: um, I, everything I do, I try and have a different approach for. So why yeah. don't you love me? I did a page at a time yeah. and um, I hadn't, I didn't plot it out, as I said earlier, I wanted to have a lot of space for spontaneity, but I kind of knew how, I didn't, actually I didn't know how it's going to end, but I knew the big, um, uh, landmark points in the story Um, yeah so I did that one page at a time and I would like just do thumbnail sketches I I really um, try very hard to make the writing as good as possible so I work very hard on dialogue and stuff Um, yeah and then I would turning that into an 11 page strip was always quite easy once I cracked that um, so, so all... were
0: you so were you doing thumbnails first and then you're you're going and doing the dialogue pass, or did you or did you write any kind of a script to begin with? No, or I just go straight
1: into thumbnails and the dialogue. Straight into thumbnails. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh.
0: Uh-huh, but uh-huh.
1: Um, since then, I um, I've, I work by writing a prose, mm-hmm. not a script, but my prose writing is very direct,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I then adapt that into comics. Interesting. So, um, any, anything you see after Why Don't You Love Me is that's how I'm working at the moment. Yeah. I'll show you some of the original artwork. Oh, I'd, I'd love to, absolutely. Love so, uh, to see it. Here's a page from uh, Why Don't You Love Me. Oh, uh, wow, that's
0: quite big. I, I, um,
1: uh, it was important to me that I um, made the original artwork look as good as possible for this. Yeah, um, But I did There's No Time At The Present, which is a previous graphic novel I did. I would do a lot of fixing in Photoshop and, you know, and I was a bit cavalier with, with the artwork. But this, I wanted it to be as good as, you know, possi- uh, as I could make it. So it's all on A3 Bristol and, uh, yeah.
0: So is, is that, think, that... I'm, I'm like sorry, that. Let, me just, let me just make sure I understand. That's a page uh, that the paper... Was originally this way, and then you you turned it that way to draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I that's what I that's what I thought I was seeing. I just wanted to make sure. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. there's so two hundred and ten of these around.
0: Yeah, that's 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 quite big. That's like uh, two and a half times up. Yeah, yeah. yeah to the, yeah, to the yeah. final book.
1: Yeah, I, I forget you have different paper sizes, don't you? In, in right in America, but so yeah. this would be between. B3 and B4? Okay. No, that can't be right. It feels like that's not right. We call it A3 in Britain anyway, so. Okay. Um, Let me think. So let me like two Love and Rockets.
0: Right. Basically, yeah.
1: Yeah, two magazine comics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you you knew it would eventually be down in in this kind of a, a, a size and shape, right?
1: Well, that's what I hoped for. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I did, um, halfway through, uh, two thirds of the way through, I did a, um, I went to a printer and got a dummy yeah. version done up yeah, yeah. to send yeah. out to prospective publishers. And, yeah. um, that happens to be the same size as, yeah. um, the drawn and Courtney version. Yeah, yeah, drawn yeah, and Courtney suggested it's this shape and size and I went along with it.
0: Yeah no it's nice it, it is very nice um uh and on your thumbnails are you doing are you doing your thumbnails in in you're not doing them that big obviously oh no no
1: they're just like matchstick men they're not even yeah. you know okay they're not uh, they're not f- f- anything to write home about right I, I used to do it on um printer paper i do them on there and kind of um, I don't have printer paper anymore but but a4 size which is uh-huh. sort of a rocket size right and um, yeah and then I'd have that to refer to and then as soon as I finished the original of the, the artwork screw up the uh, the um, the thumbnails and yeah. it in the waste paper bin. <laughs> <laughs> well people keep these things don't they so um
0: some do some do yeah it depends. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how what kind of thumbnails you're doing. You know, oh, are your yeah. thumbnails uh, are your thumbnails detailed or are they more stick figureish? Stick figureish. Yeah.
1: Could, um, could Eddie, me, can
0: someone else read your thumbnail or because I because no, I think they're, they're unreadable. So um,
1: here's some, well, I'm a, I'm not even doing thumbnails anymore. Here's um, me setting up what I'm working on at the moment. So wow, I'm just yeah. working out, um,
0: little, little, they're, they're tiny. Yeah, they're yeah. not even
1: thumbnails anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> earlier on, I was doing some, I mean, that's the level of thumbnails, you know?
0: Right, 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 right,
1: um, Nice. Nice. So, yeah,
0: I, I guess. And are the, you doing, I mean, obviously you're working, you're working on physical paper there. Um, you're, you're not doing digital, yeah? No, I am now. After "Why Don't You Love Me,"
1: I've been working using Procreate on okay. my iPad, and uh, which I'm enjoying very much.
0: Yeah, yeah. But but for "Why Don't You Love Me," you were it was physical paper no, being physical. drawn in a physical fashion. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but, are are you? I, I just because I don't want to make an assumption. You're penciling first, then yeah. you're lettering, then you're inking. Sort of the traditional. Yep. Yes, uh, brush yeah, brush and pen. Yeah,
1: uh, my lettering I just I would put straight down, which apparently is not what letterers do. They put like holding lines or you know i wrote right. straight down. Right. Um, but apparently it's readable. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. I can read it, and i will uh-huh. people have read it.
0: So, yeah. No. Um, no. It's very readable.
1: Yeah. yeah it's very readable. Yeah. Well, is one of those great things that John and Courtney did. Is that I didn't feel that my scans were. I mean, they were. High resolution and detail, but I, I don't didn't really know what I was doing when they cleaned them up beautifully. You know, it looks like a, a proper comic. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks great. All the, doesn't it have all the light bleed that the original scans had, for example. Right. You know, so they did a
0: great right. job. Right. Right. And you well, said that you to- were you said you were literally redrawing the logo every single month, every single page.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a mistake
0: that that seems crazy why wouldn't you just do it once and then just paste it in well i didn't know it's going to get a publisher
1: i worked on i liked the idea that there might be a art exhibition of all the artwork in a room right and then um people could walk in and not know where to begin to read it they could start part way through right. I, I wouldn't be too obtuse i would put them in order but i wouldn't tell them which the first strip was right and i was Uh, I imagined being interested by how people interpreted it. It, You know, if they got something from it by reading it in the wrong order or the order of their choice. Yeah, I mean, that hasn't happened, but that I mean, because I my experiences with finding publishers hasn't been. You know. As I said earlier, it's not something I feel I'm very good at doing. So, um, yeah, as I imagine, I. I was imagining all sorts of things for it daydreaming because it was a fantasy you know sure sure um
0: yeah, yeah. so oh, but now you've got a you now you've got this fantastic uh solid book this is a real book i love this yeah this is the ultimate object
1: it's, yeah. um Drawn and courtney asked me to do a um this page in the book you know that's uh-huh. a big title yeah, yeah. page yeah and i went i'm not drawing it again <laughs> so I that's the only time i copied and pasted it i've had enough i have such an aversion to doing it now
0: oh i love that they, they're,
1: Fortunately, they're okay with it they didn't expect me to redraw it
0: yeah yeah oh that's great man that's great uh well good i'm glad i'm glad that the book you know came out looking like this and as i said it uh you know it was it was a challenge for me to get to the point where the story switched, but once it did, like a light bulb went off in my head, and I'm like, this is such a great book that I really wanted to share with people. Uh, and i'm I'm really glad that that we were able to. Um, let's Let's wrap the interview up uh, with I always ask the same couple questions as the I start the start the interview the same, and I end the interview the same, just just for symmetry, I suppose. Um, so, so let's go for the, the first of the two questions to wrap it is, would you want to plug something else you've got coming up? Are you close enough, uh, on the production for your next story that you want to tell people about it or where they can find it or when we should expect it? Oh, well, I haven't got anything. You
1: know, uh, the next thing, which is, um, I'm working big thing. I, I still have strips appearing Viz comic over here in the UK. So I've got, um. Uh, the, the current issue has a comic strip um, about Ricky Gervais buying hot cross buns, and um, there being a shortage. Um, so if you're in Britain, um, that's my strip. And then the next issue has one about someone trying to con a homeless person out of a pound for the shopping trolley. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's in the next issue. But I don't think that's out for another two or three weeks. And then. Um, the big thing I'm working on is um, the working title is called Murder School, and it's a memoir of um, my school days. Okay. Um, uh, with um, me being a unreliable um, source of uh, truth. Okay. So, uh, but I'm having fun working on it.
0: What What do you think the scope of that book is going to be? Is it Is it going to be another 200-page graphic novel? Is it smaller? Is it longer? No, I think it
1: might be similar lengths, maybe longer. Um, I'm thinking of it as a murder mystery, but the mystery is we don't know who the victim is rather than we don't oh, know who the murderer is.
0: I like that. I like that. But uh,
1: I've got to get someone, I've got to get the murder done yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I'm about 60 odd pages into it and uh, I'm very happy with how it's going. But I'm working quite a different way. So I, the first page I drew was something like page 33. Right. And then i started having all the ideas for earlier pages so it's um it's kind of unlike this which i did in strict order right it's growing like a like a bomb yeah, yeah. Or, a, or a muffin <laughs> so it's yeah
0: yes um, um, what, what's what's your what's your production rate like are you a, a page a week are you do you faster than that
1: I'm, I'm quite fast when I get down to it. I'm a procrastinator a bit. So, okay. Um, uh, I tend to stop start drawing until about half one in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, I'll do anything. I'll even do the washing up, you know, redecorate a room. But once I start drawing, I love it. I don't know what I'll procrastinate, you know. It's just psyching <laughs> myself up, I think. Understood. But then, yes. But then when I'm drawing, I'm quite quite quick, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, so so your murder school could conceptually be done in another six months or something um no i think it
1: probably take a bit longer than that okay um maybe a year
0: maybe okay
1: a year. um we're, we're looking for a publisher, someone to um republish there's no time at the present which is the book i did why don't you love before why don't you love me so hopefully that will happen and uh, yeah. there's a lot of Uh, similar emotions in there's no time like the present yeah but um more accessible from the start (laughs) sure sure it's not quite so um um it's not quite so much
0: hard work yeah required from the reader i understand i understand i think so okay and then and then so then the last question is as I said, we've, we've been doing this for eight years. I've been interviewing cartoonists. We've got two different clubs. We've got the kids' club. We've got the adults' club. So we're somewhere near 200 interviews now at this point. And um, one of the, the things I hear from a lot of viewers are that they want to make comics themselves, but they, they don't know where to start. They don't know how to start. They, they're they they're nervous. So if, if you had a piece of advice for an aspiring cartoonist, Especially, especially given that you're a procrastinator, uh, what what might be that piece of advice? It could be something physical, it could be something emotional, something spiritual, I, I don't know, anything you want. What would what would be your piece of advice for an aspiring cartoonist though?
1: Um, I
0: think the
1: best thing to do is if you're aspiring, you do start with small things. So do a one paneled cartoon and then do a four paneled strip. And then see if you could do a page Um, or do a 20 page panelled story, you know, and work that way and build up slowly. I think if you have the, try not to be overly ambitious in the first instance. I mean, even Why Don't You Love Me is broken down into single pages, you know. It's work, think in that way, it becomes less intimidating. And you get to nail, if you're doing short stories as well, we talked earlier about, the necessity to cut superfluous stuff out is it's a good way of honing a discipline
0: mm-hmm. and
1: a single frame can be just as entertaining as a 210 page graphic novel if you get it right so yeah that's my advice and you have to do it just yeah. do it don't talk about it
0: yeah and get out there i love, it. There. Don't I love sit it. On it get it out there get it out there yeah 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 oh and we have the tools to do it now you know you... yeah the internet exists. You can you can get your stuff out there, and you can even do it pretty anonymously these days. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be breaking even, at least. <laughs> yeah. Now thanks to yeah. the internet. Yeah. 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 I get that. Well, very good. I I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, I hope hope you've had fun and enjoyment with this. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks, Brian, and thanks yeah. for um,
1: everyone. You know, having it as your graphic novel yeah. of the month.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's my absolute pleasure. Uh, stick around for a second. I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll come back to, to wrap it up. Um, okay, nice. So Ben put me back on a one if you would be so kind. Hi. Um, so if you're sitting at home and, and especially if you're looking for something that might challenge your brain a little bit and make you think, um, I absolutely positively recommend Why Don't You Love Me. Um, this is a very smart book that has a surprise in it, though he kind of gave the surprise away, but it has a big surprise <laughs> in it. Um, and uh, it's going to make you think, even even Neil Gaiman thought you should read it. So, uh, you know, Neil's usually right about these things. Um, uh, and so there. Um, I would like to say our next couple of books and interviews. Um, the next thing that's coming up is The Kids Club, uh, and the book will be Scurry by Max Smith um, about... about rats and cats and and it's a cute little book i mean it's actually not cute at all it's kind of scary but um but it's it's a neat little book um and then next month's um adult club uh is called bell of the ball um by mari costa uh she is brazilian so uh it'll also be another sunday morning interview rather than the usual wednesday nights this book is very pink there is a lot of pink in this book so Look out for that one next month. Um, I would like to do a couple of thank yous as well. I want to thank Jordan for being my producer, for handling stuff behind the scenes that none of you ever seen, but all this stuff couldn't happen without it. I want to thank uh, Ben for running the camera and running the show. Thank you, Ben. Um, I want to thank my staff. I want to thank Zoe and Katie and Kat because if they weren't my staff, I would not be able to sit here on on television like this and, and babble about comic books without you know, having them back me up. So I I need them and love them so much. Um, I want to thank all the members of the club. Um, If you're not a member of the club, there'll be a little thing in in a bit. They'll tell you how to join. But it allows us to have the ability to talk to cartoonists about craft uh, and about making the comics. And it's really important. And then last but not least, and especially not least, I want to thank cartoonists, uh, particularly guys like Paul right there, um, because if they didn't make the comics, I would not have a store for 33 years where I sell comics. Um, so, thank you, Paul. Thank you for, for doing <laughs> the things that you do, man. And thanks for thanks for making good work. That's that's the thing that thrills me so much.
1: Thank you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, I've had a lovely time.
0: Yeah, very good. Okay, well, that's the show. Uh, We will see you all in about two weeks for the next one um, when we talk to Scurry. Uh, And until then.